Chapter 27 Spiritual and Carnal Weapons The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. 1 Samuel 17.25 Here are two men, and in these men are two nations, two religions, two bodies or companies, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Israel and Philistia are now brought face to face. There must be war, not peace, not even an alliance, and not even a truce. The world's table is not spread for the church, nor the church's table spread for the world. The earth may sometimes help the woman and swallow up the floods that would overwhelm her, but friendship with the earth is not to be cultivated or sought after. The friendship of the world is enmity with God. Here are two men, the one the personification of power, the other the personification of weakness, the one of self-reliance, the other of confidence in God. We see man, nothing but man, in the one, and God, nothing but God, in the other. In the Philistine, we see man fighting against God. In David, we see man fighting for God. What the world admires and prizes is to be found in the one, and what it despises in the other. One thing marks them both. They are full of courage and confidence, both equally sure of success, though the one boasts and the other does not boast. The sources and grounds of their confidence are very different, but their confidence itself seems very much alike. The object of each is, in one respect, different, in another respect, the same. They meet for battle, each bent on the overthrow of the other. But Israel has not provoked nor challenged the conflict, nor is Israel desirous of seizing Philistia. She has Jerusalem. Why should she seek Gaza? But Philistia would gladly have Israel and her land in her power, and she makes continual inroads for this end. She's not content with Gaza and Ashkelon. She must have Jerusalem and Bethlehem. But I do not ask you to especially notice the Gentile giant, but rather the Jewish boy, the youth of Bethlehem. In him we have the following. 1. The rejection of human weapons. He was fully aware of, first, the greatness of the issue depending on this combat, second, the strength of the adversary, third, his own weakness, and fourth, the great things to which he had pledged himself. Yet he declines to avail himself of any of those things that would have helped to make up for his deficiency, and that would have made him, as man would say, adequate for the struggle. He takes only that which is expressive of feebleness, which would make him incur the accusation of being a fool, like the apostle in later years. He had to become weak as well as a fool, so that he might be both wise and strong. His taking unlikely and unsuitable human weapons was more expressive of his faith than if he had taken none. For through such, God got the opportunity of showing his power. His power, not as directly coming down from heaven, but as coming through the feeble instrumentality of a shepherd and a shepherd's sling. It was God identifying himself with David and using the sling as his own two edged sword. Thus, the true beginning of all strength is weakness. 
The starting point for success is the rejection of self-power and human contrivances. How often is it true of individuals, churches, and societies that they are too strong for God to work by or with, too well-equipped or too well-organized, too rich, numerous, or great for God to get glory from? He must have His work done by hands, regarding which there will be no mistake as to who the doer of the whole work is and the author of all the success. David did not reject these weapons because they were sinful. He often used the sword, spear, and shield in fighting the battles of the Lord. He had built a tower for an armory, wherein there hung a thousand shields, all shields of mighty men. But, in certain cases, that which is lawful is not expedient. Lawful instruments sometimes become, if not unlawful, at least inexpedient and useless when they give God no room to make bare His arm. We are, generally speaking, far too solicitous about our strength, and we forget that it is always by weakness that God works. We are too solicitous about intellect, learning, numbers, and money, as if we could have no hope of success without these. No one is too weak to work the work of God. Many are too strong. We are slow to believe this, slow to act on it. Yet it is one of the great truths on which God has set His seal during the ages past. 2. The Adoption of Divine Weapons David leaves the human weapons to the Philistine. He prefers the divine. The sight of human weapons in his adversary had not made him afraid to do battle with him, nor made him say, Oh, I want a sword like his. And as he drew nearer, and saw his whole strength and array, his confidence did not sink, it rose. He sees in the giant an enemy of the living God, and his weapons as, therefore, directed against him. That sword, that spear, that shield are used against Jehovah, God of Israel. David is not dismayed, but goes forward triumphantly, assured of being more than conqueror. He has a weapon, only one, framed by no human hand, brought out of no earthly armory. It is called the name of the Lord of hosts, 1 Samuel 17, 45. With this he can face not only Goliath and the Philistine armies, but also Satan and the hosts of hell. This name is still our weapon. It is sword, shield, and spear. Armed with it, we can do any work, fight any battle, engage any foe. Only let us be sure that we are on God's side and that our enemy is against Him. Then we can go forward with confidence. If God is for us, who is against us, Romans 8.31, is one side of the maxim. If we are for God, who can be against us, is the other. In using this name as a weapon, or as a plea, I come as if God and I were one, as if God and not I were on the battlefield. We stand in God's stead, and He in ours. We fight in God's stead, and He in ours. It's not so much that we work as that He works. Using His name is simply confiding in His revealed character and sure word, and in nothing of ourselves, making use of no arm of flesh, no power of man's arm or man's intellect, but Jehovah's alone, the Lord God of Israel. Have faith in God not in man, the flesh, in genius, 
in science, in numbers, in rank, in influential names, nor in great schemes, but in the living God, David's God, and ours.